Today is May 28th, 2020. And you know, May 27th, 2020 started out to be a good day, but then it wasn't. I got news of two deaths. One, a high school friend who was a part of a band of brothers, some brothers that I claim as my own. And then word of a dear sister friend, unexpectedly, mother, wife, former colleague, the head of the employee resource group that benefits the African-American employee base at AT&T. You know, I often say that if AT&T had 280,000 employees, 279,997 of them were awesome. This was one of the awesome ones. So this show is dedicated to Don Allen, formerly of Tyler Street Christian Academy, and Latia Taylor of AT&T. Rest easy in the arms of the Lord, Don and Latia. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. was 1999 I was in Atlanta Georgia with friends it would be the first time that I'd attend a Caribbean carnival and I had no idea that they hosted them in certain cities all over the US it would be the first time I would have a ginger beer it also be the first time I'd have roti and it would also be the first time that I held in my arms a little boy named Evan Evan was the son of Eva Green. And Evan, my goodness, he was a little thing. He was barely even three. I think he was probably two and a half. Well, today, Evan is grown. He's possibly 20-something, 22, 23. He's grown, and he has two siblings that are younger. I know both of them because their mommy and I are still great friends. You may know Eva Green Wilson, JD, as Soka Mom. Soka Mom is the Caribbean parenting expert in the digital realm. In fact, she's known as a parenting expert all over. She's been on Oprah. Her brand is also partnered with Fortune 500 brands that you've probably heard of, Disney, Hewlett-Packard, and yes, AT&T. Even I go a long way back. But you know what? I started this show by talking about Evan for a very good reason. I opened the show with a dedication to two fallen friends of my own. Has nothing to do with COVID-19. And then some other things happened in the last several weeks that had nothing to do with COVID-19. The names George Floyd and Aubrey Ahmad have become hashtags again. You know the name of this 
podcast is Culture Soup. And you know that that comes from a keynote of mine, that social media is Culture Soup. And nothing underscores that more than black lives that were lost at the hands of police officers. You know, the hashtag Black Lives Matter is one of the foremost examples of how underrepresented groups have found their voice on the internet and the social sphere. And Black America has used hashtags with names to get their points across. Unfortunately, not much has changed since Trayvon Martin, which is arguably the case that started a lot of the hashtags with names. And it did indeed kick off the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm heartened to see my white allies on TikTok, on Twitter, on all of the social spheres standing up, even police officers saying what happened to George Floyd. It's murder. They're calling it like they see it. But until it ends, this is a conversation that black families have. And it's one I decided to have with Eva because all I could think about was Evan and his siblings. And you know what? My little Joni, because it's not just black men, it's black women too. This conversation is important, but it is not for the faint of heart. I do encourage you to grab a friend, especially if you aren't black, and listen. We not only talk about the realities of being black in America and how we actually live our lives compared to others, but we also explore the idea of Karen. You see, there was one other incident that could have been out of control had the black man not been recording what this woman was doing in Central Park. Her name is Amy Cooper. So with a very, very heavy heart, I introduce to you Eva Green Wilson, a.k.a. Sokomom, the founder of Sokomom Summit. She's a children's book author, and she's also a recent graduate of Howard Law. It's a special extended edition of the Culture Soup Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to have a long-time friend, my soror, my sister. What else can I use? I could use them all, right? This is my girl. This is Eva Green Wilson of Soka Mom. How are you doing, Eva? I am good, considering, of course, but I'm good. (laughs) You know, the last time I had you on, it was over a year ago. And you were coming to me from D.C. You've you've made a move. I have. I am in Chicago now. So I am, I won't say pandemic central, but <laughs> it's uh, it's like baby New York out yeah. here right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have you guys on lockdown. Of course, we Very should much. be. And if we have the, the state of mind and, and, you know, idea to help other people, we, we would stay home. But we got a governor that's a little bit, a little bit. Well, he's stepping over bodies for business. Let's just call it what it is. And the sad thing is it's not working because now the high level top jobs are disappearing as well. So you're opening beauty salons. Okay. Yeah. But that's not exactly the economic stimulus that we need. We need to stay home and get well. 
Right. So that we can get back to normal, but that's not. Well, and people are still dying. Everybody's plan. Yeah, exactly. Still dying. They're going to graduations, like in Atlanta, for this uh, private school graduation. Everybody was cool in the cars, but no, some parent had to okay a swim party. Oh, good grief. And everybody has it. Ugh. And even the beauty shops. Um, in, 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 I think it's Missouri, where two beauty shops, I think they were at a, a, like a haircut place. But they were working sick for mm-hmm. days. It affected about at least 140 people. Yeah. I think the first figure they thought was 80 and then it just, but that's the thing, you know, yes, it is very, very contagious, but it is beyond anything that we've ever seen and people just aren't taking it seriously. But we have Lori Lightfoot who's now playing games (laughs) inside the city of Chicago. Now the rest of Illinois is different. Yeah. But Chicago, we went out Memorial Day weekend. I hadn't been out of this house in nine weeks, Mm -hmm. like not out my front door. Yeah. And we got in the car, drove, and we drove along the, uh, lake. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you, there were police don't, don't try to come off that way. Oh, every exit. There is a a police car. Hey, no, you, you, every park is closed. It really does. And you know, I live right outside of Dallas. So I don't have the privilege of having the Dallas mayor, but we do have this County Judge Clay Jenkins, who's been fighting hard and pretty much going at it with the governor. But I think the last couple of rounds, he just lost. So <sighs> anyway, Eva, how about a, how about a, almost said a soca mom moment. <laughs> how about a <laughs> culture soup moment? You ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. You can't get away from it. Oh you boy. know, I say social media is culture soup for a very good reason. And right. one of those reasons really is tied to names and hashtags. And we're seeing yes. them again in rapid yes. succession. Mm-hmm. In fact, Aubrey Ahmad. Yes. yes. George Floyd. And an almost yes. thanks to um, Karen in Central yeah. Park. I mean, I have two boys. Yeah. As you know, and a husband. Yes. And they like to do normal things. Yes. But the thing is, these days you can't even be in your house. No. So it's one thing to say, you know what? You don't want to get shot. Just stay home. Well, that's, you can't stay home. They're coming for you there too. Exactly. Like you can't sit on your couch and watch television. Mm -hmm. You can't take a phone call outside on your cell phone. Yeah. There is nowhere right now that is safe. Right. Not even bird watching. You can get killed bird watching. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Right? It doesn't make sense. But this is where we are. So what do you tell your two boys? Um, one is older. He's on his own. Evan. Yeah. And yes. Dave is, oh man, he's like a little man. My goodness. So <laughs> handsome too. Both of them. Thank but, I mean, you. Davis Thank is, you. I guess because he was so little when I met him. Oh my goodness. Well, when you met Evan, he was a toddler. <laughs> right? Little. He was... Tiny yes. and still tripping over his feet, yeah. right? So, so, you know, I spoke with Evan this weekend, mm-hmm. and he's worried, yeah. of course, because, you know, when you're a young man and you're out, you he's still at that age where he hasn't hit his mid-20s, mm-hmm. so, you know, he still feels like he has some kind of... I guess the protection of youth. Right. 
right? You don't have this, but he's online and he's seeing all of these hashtags and he obviously doesn't want to become one. You don't think about those kinds of most families don't think about those kinds of dangers. When I say most families, I mean families that are not black, yeah. right? You don't, they don't have to, they say, tell their kids, look both ways when you cross the street so you don't get hit by a bus. Yeah. You know, don't drink anything at a party and you don't know what it is. Yeah. The, the simple things that you tell young adults, we don't even have anything that we can tell them now to make them feel safe or to make them feel like they are in control of their own fate. You can't even say, just be a good person and it will be fine. Yeah. That's not it. No. There, there's really no protections for them mentally right now that'll make them feel safe. So, you know, we just, we talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's happening. You know, I mean, what can we say? We can't say, well, just be aware of your surroundings. No. Well, you don't know. You just don't want to get bitten by a dog and you're, you're, you quite possibly could end up a hashtag. Yeah. You, you want to stay in shape during a pandemic rather than sitting on your couch where you could also get shot. Um, right. You can't jog. Yeah. You can't do anything. And it's hard to raise black children, especially black boys, in an environment like this. And then on top of that, they have the fear of the pandemic. Yeah. It's an enemy that they can't even see. Oh they don't goodness. they just don't have any any outlet. So, you know, we just deal the best way that we can. My poor little girl. She tried to she didn't know. I mean, all she knows is what we tell her. She doesn't watch the news, but it really did a number on her. And we were, she was having bad dreams almost every night. You know, it's one thing to hear them say, oh yeah, your kids are going to be clingy. No, this was different. <laughs> this was so different. And yeah. when I realized it's like, okay, she's grieving after mm -hmm. losing so much contact right. with her, her friends, school, all of this. And then on top of that, she's worried about, is mommy going to get sick and die? Mm -hmm. Is Gavin mm -hmm. Papa going to get sick and die? Right. All of these things in her little bitty mind. Yes. They shouldn't be worried about this stuff. Yes. And some of the kids are like, if my parents die, is it my fault? Yeah. Did I bring it to them? Right. Did, was it something that I did? Yeah. You know, because they hear that you can be asymptomatic and, and, infect somebody. So it's a really, really scary time for kids. It very much is. And we don't know enough about it to even be making decisions. And, right. you know, uh, since we last talked, certified coach, and I'm always talking about leadership. And one of the things about leadership is to know for yourself, then lead your people. Yes. And we haven't seen that because nobody's certain, but right. they're leading people anyway. Yes. a funny story about privilege and it's with a dear white friend of mine dear dear friend and he was telling me the story about how at Christmas and he was laughing about it so I thought it was just gonna be a funny right um, Christmas a couple years ago he had two college-age kids both of them dating so they had the girlfriend boyfriend home for the holidays um, and they live near an area where uh, young people, college-age people, maybe, you know, young adults like to go out. And their mm -hmm. house is, like, right around the corner. So you have a lot of, they just walk down the street to the restaurants, to the bars, all that kind of thing. And they make it home. Well, they um, came home late, as they typically did, you know, most nights. 
And the next morning, they were handing out, and it was Christmas, you know, hot chocolate and marshmallows and muffins and whatever else they had to the people in their house. Well, there was this young man that was there, and they gave him some goodies for breakfast and asked him, you know, what's your name and, and who are you here with? You here with Ruth, right? No. <laughs> Well, how how about Barrett? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So then it became kind of obvious because both of the the children came out and they're like, "We don't know this person." <laughs> right. I mean, it it will make you laugh, right? But I'm shocked. And he doesn't understand why I'm just looking at him like, "What are you telling me?" Yeah. And then, you know, when they ask him, he's like, "Well, I don't have my wallet. You know, I just kind of went down the street and turn knobs and y'all's was open. So came in. (laughs) And so my friend was talking about how they were adding this to the Christmas letter for next year to go out because they met this new friend. They gave him some money to get an Uber and he was on his way. Wow. And so I'm in shock. (laughs) And he's looking at me like, why are you in shock? And I'm going, and I never told him this. I just said, you know, that would not happen in my neighborhood. Not like that. No. Not like that. So let's switch out some things, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What if the stranger were black? I, okay, so my first question is, how did the kids not look at one another and say, who is that? Right. That's, That's my first thing. Yeah. Second thing is, the parents are very comfortable with what they believe one of their children's friends looks like. Yes. They are certain, certain enough to hand a stranger in their home something to eat and never ask them, who in God's name are you? Because I've never seen you before. Right. Right. So had that been... A black black man man turning knobs. Yeah. He never would have gotten in that house. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. The police would have been called on the first porch he stopped on. Yes. He wouldn't have made it there. He wouldn't have made it to the second. (laughs) If he lived through it. If he lived through it. And then he has no ID. Right. He has no wallet. Right. He has, you know, you has no idea how to identify himself. Yeah. And the next thing you know, there is a knee in his neck. Yes. And he doesn't get an opportunity to say who he is. We find out who he is after he has died. After there's a hashtag. That he was in possession of marijuana 15 years ago. Yes. And that he deserved everything that he got. Yeah. So there would have been no muffins. No. And you know what? Let's switch it again. What if it was my house in Oak Cliff, Texas, Mm -hmm. growing up? Okay, first of all, the door would not be open. Nope. In fact, we probably have either burglar bars or something, you know, our house is on lock, <laughs> you know, nobody's yes. walking in the house. And if they did, daddy had a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so this was the reason why I was like in shock. Like, mm-hmm. <gasps> how could this be? And then it hit me. I was like, we come from two totally different worlds as much as I love my friend. The freedom that your friend has, we have never had. No. 
And that translates into so many different things. When people say, why can't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Well, my hands have been tied behind my back and I have been living in fear for a very, very long time. So when you're asking me to take risks, that's difficult for me to do. Because like you said, my doors are locked. Yes. And I don't trust anyone. Not, I don't want to, even if a white man turned my doorknob and walked in and sat down to have breakfast with me. No, I can't call the police. No. Daddy has to have a shotgun. Yes. Because guess what? And you better make sure he's in the house or at least on the lawn. So daddy can have the gun, but then you're going to have a fight anyway, because they're going to wonder why daddy shot this white guy in his house. Yes. Now there was an incident recently. I'm not sure where it was, but people were just sightseeing inside this man's house. And he was like, I would like you to leave here. Yes. And he pulls out a gun and he gets arrested. So that's wow. the problem. See, you can't call the police. That's exactly if it. A white man breaks into your home Yeah. because you probably won't live through it. Yeah. That's and Even if it's your house, totally. you don't have those protections. So yeah, that kind of I don't even want to say bondage like it's 19, you know, 62, but it is. is. Your mind is kind of crippled by the bondage that you have been in and the fear that you have lived under your whole life. We think it's just normal. Like what? Somebody just turns knobs. That doesn't, that's what does that? Right. But in other people's free minds, they do. Totally. Totally. They do. This is the thing that I, this is why the podcast even exists because of the name, Social Media's Culture Soup, and these devices that we have, right? If it was not for these devices, we would not know about George Floyd. We wouldn't know about Amy Cooper. Now let's talk about that Mm. awareness Mm. of the power. Because many many white people who are good-hearted, good-natured, they don't wield intentionally the power that comes with this white privilege. Mm-hmm. But we saw Amy Cooper mm-hmm. almost choke out her dog. Yes. To call the police on this man that's telling her to leave him alone, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you're going, thank God he continued to record. Yes. And thank God he had the awareness to leave. Yes. Because if he was standing there and the theatrics that she was able to put on just over the phone, I can only imagine what she would do in person in front of the police. You don't know what officer you're going to get. You have no idea. A friend of mine tagged me in a comment that she had on Facebook that, do you remember the scene in Get Out Mm -hmm. where able to keep a completely straight face. Yes. But still be able to put on the whole whatever show. was needed. Yes. And like you said, there are some very well-intentioned people, probably more often than not, right? But knowing the power that you have is completely different. We don't, we know that we, he knew the power that he did not have. So that's why he turned on his camera. She knew the power that she did have. And that's why she actually used it as a threat. It wasn't that she just said, you know what? I'm afraid. Let me pick up my phone and call. And I'm just describing the man in front of me. No, She threatened him. She said, I am going to call the police and tell them 
not that a man, yes, but an African American yes, man. Yes, she was clear on that. Exactly, is threatening my life. Yes. She knew what she was doing. She knew the power that she had, and he knew what he didn't have. All he had was that phone. And for a lot of us, the phone is just the evidence after the fact. It doesn't save your life. No, that, it, that, it may not that even video get wasn't them save his life. or arrested. Yeah, she did it on the video. Yes. That wasn't going to save his life. No. That did not scare her at all. No. So, you know, that the videos get us justice sometimes. But it's not a lifesaver, not yet. It's that glimmer, that little bitty chance <laughs> of hope. Yes. Sad. And so I'll, I'll do this one more thing. I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Bust yes, move, I love right? the video. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> and you know, originally it was full of young people. You know, as young as nine, maybe even younger than that. But then slowly but surely, a lot of moms got on. This is before I got yeah. on. Um, and many of them white moms because many of their daughters were white teens, right? You know, the most popular person on TikTok is this woman, this young woman named Charlie. Mm. So it was primarily white. And then you had some black folks on there. And they were pretty much the ones making up the real cool dances. And right, it right. got appropriated. So all that is going on. You know about the renegade and all. Well, mm -hmm. I'm listening to this woman. I just happened to swipe through. Young, 30-ish mom who is upset because she keeps seeing these nine-year-olds calling 30 and up women, 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 mm -hmm. put a thumbnail there, Karen. So, you know, saying, oh, Karen, you know, you can't do that dance or Karen, what are you trying? Blah, 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 blah. So she goes on the tirade. I am sick of seeing these nine-year-olds <laughs> calling these 30-year-old moms who are accomplished. We are millennials. We have careers. We have done all these things. Karens. And we Karens have done so much with our lives that only you can imagine. So this whole thread pops out, right? First thing you see is a black woman that says, that's not what Karen means. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> That really shouldn't be funny, yeah, but and it, it was became, hilarious. She oh turned it into a narrative around women and girls and mm -hmm. feminism. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of white women on there like, yeah, you know, you're right. We see these little girls calling us Karen and it's just not fair. And so several of us were like, do y'all know what Karen means? And they're like, well, um, no. I mean, the nine-year-olds came up with it. We're like, no. Black That's people not... came up with it. And it means a white woman who is aware of her privilege and uses it to still kill and destroy people of color's lives. Okay. <laughs> and then it was and like, there shock. are white women. Yeah. There are white women who, who say enough, Karen, Yeah, because they know they get it. And so I said, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I said, well, look, there's, it's either two things. Either the nine year olds are misusing it. And by the way, the person who posted this didn't understand it. I said, or the nine-year-olds at least understand that entitlement has something to do with it. And the fact that you believe as 30-year-olds that you could get on here and own their platform is enough to call you Karen. But have you ever <laughs> seen them call a black woman Karen? No, because the world is Karen's world.
right? And Karen is offended and it doesn't apply to anyone else, right? When Karen calls somebody Shaniqua. There you go. And, and a Rosarita. You know, hello. hello. Or Ling Ling. And, but we're not at the place where we are, where our outrage is heard. Because we have those same arguments. We are accomplished. We are doing amazing things. We are starting business at businesses at a ridiculous More rate than and being successful. But you can reduce us to Shaniqua whenever you feel yeah. like it. You can reduce us to Rosa, Rosarita, whatever stereotype you want to when you feel like it. But if a nine-year-old calls you Karen... Yes. Or if a black man tells you to put your dog on a leash according to the sign, you are upset, right? So, and I, I don't want to say that it's every white It person, isn't. It right? totally I'm isn't. I'm not going to say that. It's just the ones who are so loud and just indignant. Is that yeah. the word that I can right. use? That it's, it's just that, that they end up on camera that they end up on camera, but it's not, but a lot of people have it inside of them. And so when these things happen, we only see it on certain timelines. I am lucky enough that the election had me purge my timeline of a lot of people. So I have been able to see true allies, not be afraid to share Ahmad's story, not be afraid to say, you know what, this is wrong. We should be praying for everybody, not for just Australian fires and Paris. We should also be praying for our black neighbors who can't jump, who can't sit at home, right? So I am by no means making a blanket statement when I say By them. all means. You know, I have white folks that I love and they love me. And I know this for sure. <laughs> like, I know, like... I couldn't have propelled in my career if it wasn't for some of these people. And mm. they're good, good people. And they are real. And they want to help. Yes. They yes. totally want to help. And that's who's in my timeline. <laughs> so when I, yes. I railed on Karen the other day, what, yesterday? <laughs> they're like, okay, like, and move on. <laughs> I mean... Because, you know, they get it and they hear you and they make an effort to understand you, which is pretty much all That's we're all asking. asking for. That's it. That's it. I just want to be heard and understood. And when I'm bird watching, left yes. alone. That's it. Or, or when I'm at work, <laughs> all. leave me alone. Please don't touch me don't or my hair. My That's hair. all. Even the compliments every day gets to be ridiculous. Like <laughs> you changed it yeah, again, right, girl? Right? Okay. You still know who I am, so let's not talk right. about it. <laughs> and would you say that to my white coworker every day? She puts her hair up in a ponytail. She takes it down. She wears it curly. <laughs> Some days it's wet. Some days it's dry. <laughs> Some days, you know, it's a different color. But does she get all the? Oh my God! Look at your hair. When I'm just trying to show up and work. Yes, I saw something the other day where a lady said, you know, whenever I get my hair braided in the Caribbean, I 
get back home to Florida and people look at me like I'm crazy. Florida. Okay, I can't even go to Target show. with that. <laughs> and I, I, I said, I said to myself, you know, she said, oh, I feel so good when I'm there. And then when I get home to Florida, I feel, I feel, you know, people are staring at me and I'm like, well, that's basically how we feel when we leave the house. I felt really cute with my braids before I walked out the door. And then I went to Target and Karen, Karen had questions, Karen to run her fingers through my hair. I felt cute before and I left. And then Karen <laughs> will get her hair cornrowed and then show up in vogue and call it boxer braid. And it's something that, of course, the Kardashians came up with. As well as yes. bonnets, silk bonnets. And, and maybe if they correct, they would say, you know, that was really Bo Derek. That's really who. Let's, let's give credit where credit is due. Those Kardashians get credit for everything. But what? <laughs> See, I'm grateful for Google because people who are not my age can listen yes. to this and like Google it. Like you've got to be yes. kidding me. You're 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 <laughs> kidding, right, Bo Derek? You're kidding me, right? Yeah, Google it. It's because there. it it wasn't Cicely Tyson or any of the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about how about Mother right, Africa? There. We could we could can even we leave the seventies. We could leave the 70s and, and go somewhere completely. <laughs> I mean, come on. All right. Well, you, you mentioned the Caribbean. And the whole reason why I wanted to get you on here was to talk about this project that you've been working on. You were stealth yes. with it. You were stealth with it. I mean, I knew that it was coming, but then the pandemic came and things shifted. Yes. But you shifted too. So tell us about it. Yes. So I had plans to do the Soka Mom Summit. It would be like the first event of its kind, a small number of people, like 200 people going to a sunny location and talking about the Caribbean and parenting and just everything that was us, right? So, you know, get cute. Yeah. Maybe even braid your hair. Great food. <laughs> Okay, get my hair braided (laughs) with some boxer braids. You know, get some, get some corn, something, right? We were going to have ourselves a good time. And then life happened. And then immediately after life, we had pandemic. So, you know, it was going to be postponed, but not canceled. And then it didn't seem like even the rain date as I like to call it, was going to happen, right? Because at the end of the day, I want people to be safe. And there's no reason to rush something like this. If they're not having the Olympics or Miss America, then I don't see why I should be pushing something like that. was the first to make the beast move. They just yanked the plug, like, out the wall (laughs) and said, we'll figure it out later. And I was like, like we're not doing that to Austin. Nope. This is serious. Yeah. And it's a lot of money that they let go of. And I'm thinking, wow, if they will just drop everything like that, this is real. This is serious. So, you know, I, but also I saw that the community was suffering because it was the very beginning. We had just gotten locked down. Everybody is at home and we're not used to this. We're not used to living this way. And there were some unique challenges 
for women in general and for the Caribbean community. Because we moved to this country, just like most immigrant communities, we gather in one place in a city or another place in a city. And we stay very, very close together. And we rely on those day-to-day interactions, right? And then you have whole communities built around Caribbean businesses. So we wanted to get together and talk about that and how we could deal with those things, parenting, education, all of the things that were kind of related to what was happening and our culture at the same time. The talk of underlying conditions. Well, a lot of Caribbean people are dealing with diabetes. We're we're dealing with a whole lot of different things that are not unique to us necessarily, but they impact us differently. So so we wanted to talk about how COVID-19 would, you know, impact us that way. And I planned it in 12 days from the first invitation. It had to be fast. And then we advertised it for six days wow. total, and then we wow. did it. That was it. That okay, was so it. you know people was, got questions. Like, yeah. how do you pivot yes. on a dime like that? I mean, literally, you were, you pivoted on a dime. So you went from a live well, event yeah. in person to completely that I had, yes, that I had 10 months to plan. What lessons did you learn? <laughs> I was going to have 10 months to do that. I was going to have, I was going to have sponsors. I was going to have ticket sales. Like there was going to, it was going to be completely different. So I'm very blessed to have a husband who is very well-versed in agile, right? The project management framework. And so we talked about, all right, this is the amount of time you have. You don't have time to test it like you need to test it. Don't have time to, you know, this whole thing is a sprint, basically. There is no, there's nothing in between. So, you know, we just kind of worked through that. And then uh, he is a very, very good IT person to have. He's phenomenal. He's a good hubby. And he's got got project (laughs) management and IT chops. Yes, he has the talents and the skills that I needed to get this done this quickly. Uh, Shout out to my kids. A, they know how to be quiet when necessary. All right. So those of you who don't tell your kids every now and then to be quiet, you won't be able to pivot on a dime in your house. There you go. Well, and we're all learning that right now. Working at home. Okay. When you're on mm-hmm. a Zoom call and somebody decides they want a snack and they want it now, you've never told your child, start, no, you might want to work on that. <laughs> Now's right. the time. Because <laughs> it's not, it's not better. <laughs> but they were also very helpful in helping me get things together and uh, Eden codes. So she was able to work her way around the website if I needed something, you know, or changed or something like that. And Believe it or not, people were like, uh, so how are you able to post here and post there and be on this? It's a family affair. <laughs> it's a family thing. I'm like, hey, can you take that image and put it on my Instagram for me, please? Pl- yes. Make it sound like me. And they're like, okay, mommy talks in very short sentences and she's sarcastic. They're we'll so make sharp. it work. They're so bright. <laughs> So we, we made it work and I was able to get the number of speakers that I had. I had 50 women from 17 different countries 
and um, for 20 sessions over two days. And it's amazing the network yeah. that you have when you, you just don't know. You just don't yeah, know. I, I call it's it shaking the trees on your community. So, right, right. Like when you find out this is a thing that I'm passionate about. All of the people that have believed in you or people that you didn't even know. I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask, but I don't know if they're going to say yes. And they're like, well, girl, yes. You know what? There's something We've just here. Been waiting this for is what I talk to my small business owners about and my corporate executives who are trying to define their brand. You have to be crystal clear on what it is you deliver. What problem do you solve? And people understand what Soka Mom is all about. So you don't have to go out there and herald it. They just know and they show up. And I, that's, those are the people that I, you know, of course, Don and the family, but those 50 women who showed up on time and prepared, it was phenomenal because what I was asking them to do was basically impossible and they were willing to do it with me. So I, I cannot say enough your tribe about them. matters yes. and your community yes. matters because when it's time to do something you can't do it by yourself you absolutely nope. cannot do it by yourself nope. this is why this is called el michelle smith and friends people gloss over that part <laughs> and they try and pitch me and i'm like you don't get this the friends make it happen yeah they expand the reach yes. it's their core to the marketing yes. strategy like I at least get double the audience each time. At least. Yeah. You bring yeah. on a rev run and you get far more. Right. But yeah. these are people who are, yeah. and you know, I make, I make a differentiation. You have a network. That's your reach. That's what Ted Rubin says. That's your reach. But your mm -hmm. community is your power. Those are the people that will actually do something for you. And you will do something for them. Because you have right. a real relationship. Right. Yes. Yes. Don't yes. underestimate yes. your tribe. And they'll recommend great people to you because I knew probably about 80 to 90% of the people that were speaking. But for some of them, I'm like, I don't have a person for this topic. And it's so important that we talk about it. They're like, oh, I know somebody. Wait, what? And, and good people are around good people. Funny story is I'm planning the next one. I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, this person, she's done amazing work in the Caribbean. You've got to you know, talk to her and see if she has a spot that she can fill on one of the panels for your next summit. Okay, great. She's a Sora. And, you know, the, the person who recommended was a Sora, right? And then I reached out to somebody in Maryland who is very, very instrumental in the Caribbean community there. And I said, if you know anybody who can speak, please let me know. He sends me a name. My friend had sent me a name. And I look at the two of them and I'm like, hmm, these people would be great on a panel together. So then I reach out to one of them and I said, and I would love to have you on a panel with this person. And they're like, oh, See? girl, we in the same <laughs> dance class. I was like, wait, what? We're actually working on a project together. Wait, what? And it's, it's just amazing how when you surround yourself with good people and a good network, they also surround themselves with a good with good people and a good network yeah. and everybody can benefit. So you did it in April, right? And now it's coming yes. up in June. What are the yes. dates and what do people need to know? Yes. 
So it's June 12th through the 14th. We're doing it a little differently this time where we have paid sessions for some of the speakers, right? So very, very cool things that they're doing. We have one that's an embroidery class. She's been on HGTV, seen her all over the place. She's actually not just a craft genius, but she invented a the first hip hop card game. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, it's called oh, University wow. of Dope. <laughs> That's before Black Card Revolt. It's like People, a really, really cool. That? I mean, it's it's amazing. It's it's and it's funny. So she hosts game nights and does all kinds of things. But crafting is her thing, and she's doing an embroidery class. She normally does it offline, of course. And she says, you know what? You got a flag you want to do? Bring it. Here's the slide list. You got I'm telling you, it's, to get their, their it's carnival amazing. Carnival outfit together. She she got you hooked up. Man, she will show you how to repurpose your old carnival outfits. You could do all kinds of stuff. But she's hosting an embroidery class, so that's one that is uh, a first come first serve. Then we have the sessions that are application based. So you apply for to be in the session. And the person who is hosting the workshop will let you know if you've been let into the class based on your level of experience. So we have one for people who want to write Caribbean stories for young adults. And she's only accepting six people. And uh, she's accepting applications for that. And then she lets people know ahead of time if they've been accepted into the class. But we also have the free content that we had last time. So everybody's money is tight. If you can afford to, you know, do one of the other classes, that is fantastic. But if, you know, you need to take advantage of that free content, it's free. The replays are free. We don't charge you for replays like some conferences do. Watch it whenever you can. We try to make it evergreen and relevant so that, you know, Whenever you take a look at it, that's awesome. It can benefit and y'all, you. I have to say, if you weren't listening very closely, you might have gotten a lesson in digital marketing. That was really <laughs> smart. You know, make it all free the first time, get get some levels and upsell a little bit the next time. And as it grows and you start to get more sponsors that are a little bit more acclimated to this new digital online thing, you're going to really be cooking. Well, you know, that's where you and I connect too, because we yes. are. Bi- I'm a big marketing nerd, right? Like that. That makes me feel good, and I also like to see people grow. So I don't want to ask people to, you know, work on this summit for me, and they don't have, they don't leave with a good feeling if they don't get anything out of it. So I want to make sure that the speakers have a chance to grow their business and to connect more than they did with just the free content, and also people have a chance to get closer to the speakers and become their super fans and follow them along. And for the application-based things, if you're not ready today, you might be ready a little bit later, right? And you get some feedback. You're delivering value all the way around. Even if that means that for some, that that's just the means plan. access to people they want access to. Yeah, and for everyone else, yes, it's information. that's the plan. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, Eva. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, if there's anything that my audience can do for you, you let us know. And we will be there right there for you. Because it is Elle Michelle Smith and Moran. 
Well, right now, the only thing that I want you guys to do is to register for the summit. It's so that's it. That's it. You can register for the free part and decide if you want to move up to the paid content later. So for those that are outside the United States, maybe in Canada, maybe in the Caribbean, maybe in Europe, let them know how this applies to them, too. So we have speakers from everywhere. Last time we had people actually speaking from Caribbean countries. We had our we had uh, a speaker talking about co-parenting during the pandemic. She was speaking from Canada. So we have people from everywhere and we try to make sure that everything is covered. Of course, the legal we were talking about general strategies and she was very specific if it was something that only applied to her locale, to her region. But we try to make it for everybody. It is, uh, and there's people, we had speakers who were American because this is a community. It's not just, oh, you know, we're, uh, you know, they have the beef online with the American descendants of slaves. And then they have, oh, well, there's African people doing this. And then we don't do that at Soka Mom. We don't we have time. We have work to do. We one don't have love. time. Right? One so, love. That's it. One love. Exactly. So we have yes. to all come together and to you get know it what? done. We should go out to some reggae yeah. or some soca. <laughs> Eva, it was so good to <laughs> okay. have you on my sister. Let's get so good to be here and thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to talk about the things that are important I love to me. You. I appreciate it. All right, bye-bye. Love you too. Thank you. Bye. What an awesome conversation with my good girlfriend, my sorority sister of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Soka Mom, and the founder of Soka Mom Summit. She's also a graduate of Howard University Law School, Eva Green Wilson. Thank you, sis. That felt good. It was therapeutic. You know what? Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup, and on Facebook at the Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications. LLC.